This is Framework Leadership. I'm Kent Engle, and you're listening to Framework Leadership, a podcast about how to bring your personal life and organization to the next level. Today, privileged to sit down with Josh Kellum. Josh Kellum began his service to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission in February of 2018. He's the president of the Florida Division of ESG Enterprises. He's also a member of the Water Resource Advisory Coalition of the South Florida Water Management District. Josh has a broad background in the areas of agriculture, governmental affairs, and management. Pleasure to welcome you to the podcast today, Josh. Thank you, Mr. President. Pleasure to be here. Hey, let's start out a little bit uh, about your background. For a time, you worked in construction, real estate development. How did you how'd you get started in those fields? And you know what, what really drove your passion? So growing up as a young man in Virginia Beach, Virginia, uh, my grandfather was always a hardworking individual, come from a middle-class family, and he always loved using his hands. So on the weekends, I would spend time at my grandparents' house, and, and we would do projects uh, around the house, build porches, decks, whatever it may be that we were working on, remodeling bathrooms or just something that that was a weekend project that was on his honeydew list. So he was putting me to work to <laughs> to make sure that he got it checked off. Uh, but I really took a likening to to just woodworking and and being creative and trying to figure out ways to um, to build stuff from nothing. So um, started off really that's kind of what drove, I would say, my passion for construction. Uh, and on top of that, a mentor of mine uh, when I was a, a young man who I now get to work for uh, was a real estate developer. So looking up to him and seeing what they were creating on a much larger scale uh, from from the construction industry uh, really just got me excited into uh, into the world of development and construction. And then you also, you know, had deep passion for, you know, fish, wildlife uh, conservation. And how did that all begin? When did you so that really, uh, that really began, or at least I realized that it began when I moved to Florida in 2007. Uh, I loved the outdoors growing up, always was outside, never was a, a person that liked sitting indoors, playing video games. I was more of, let's get outside and see the wildlife and, and be out in nature. Uh, so when I came to Florida in 2007, the job that I took uh, took me into the agricultural space and so I started developing a passion for agriculture and the land, and through that, um, started realizing that the uh, the state of Florida has a pretty hefty regulation uh, criteria on water right. nutrients. And so I started getting involved in you know different civic organizations that were promoting clean water or looking at how they could help to shape regulation. So as I, I started getting involved and, and became more familiar with it, uh, I found areas where I could step in and serve. Uh, so actually, I joined the, uh, or was asked to join, I should say, the South Florida Water Management um, Rack to, uh, to just be a voice for business uh, in that discussion. And through those efforts, uh, the governor, uh, former governor of the state, Rick Scott, asked me one day if I would serve on the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. And I told him I didn't really know what that was. And, and he said, you'll enjoy it. Trust me. Uh, it goes to your passion. So I, uh, I did. Took that leap of faith to, to see where, uh, where it would take me and, and, and joined 
a couple of years ago and, and really had a great time uh, serving on that commission. And it's been pretty eye-opening to, um, to just what is out there and the vast nature of fish and wildlife in the state of Florida. Yeah. Now, you, you have a background in renewable energy initiatives. Uh, what, what, is, what is a tip that you, especially I know a lot of our listeners are interested in, in those things. How, what would you give to our listeners a tip when it comes to taking care of the earth and, and conserving uh, you know, energy and, and just taking care of? Yeah, I think that that that's something that really hit home with me was what is the next generation going to receive from this generation? What did we receive from the prior generation? And I think that um, the media today will really mess up people's thinkings in terms of climate change and global warming. Um, but I think something that really personally hit home with me was just making sure that we are doing something to better, whether it's energy, whether it's transportation, infrastructure, how are we as individuals participating in that? So our company got involved in in solar energy uh, about five or six years ago. So through those efforts and really learning how we could play a, a key role in uh, reducing our dependency on on foreign fuels. Uh, that's really what what attracted us into the world of re- renewable energy. And so I think that just as an individual playing a part of of how can you preserve or conserve uh, electricity, and then how can you look at alternative sources for the electricity that's being generated today? Now how? Uh, let me ask you: How's your faith impacted how you do look at the environment and? That's a great question. So clearly God has created everything that we sit on, that we utilize, our natural resources. Um, So stewarding, we're called, you know, biblically to steward what God has blessed us with well. And so I think that that is a key part of, of not just stewarding our finances. I think that's kind of the biggest thing that we jump to or taking care of our bodies but he also calls us to to take care of what's around us as well. So I think that if you look at what our tasks are biblically uh, and how we should live our lives, just as much as we should steward God's financial resources he blessed us with, we should steward the natural resources that we are entrusted with on a daily basis. That's good. You're the president, also the president and CEO of Garcia Family Farm. Uh, what does that role look like for you? So Garcia Family Farms is a, a family farm uh, that we acquired in 2004. It's about 18,000 acres of property in South Florida. So the farm consists of a small vegetable farming operation, a citrus operation, cattle operation, and now a new mining operation called Garcia Mining Company. And we mine sand out of the, uh, out of the ground for uh, beach nourishment projects along mm. the coast of Florida. So... It's a very neat, uh, very neat project that that I've really enjoyed personally getting involved in and and, and growing a great team out there. Yeah, you uh, definitely. A, 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 there's no doubt the the way you serve and approach has has been a great uh, great strength to our state in in that way. And, and as a part of the FWC Commission, I mean, you serve on the board with definitely serve on on a board with uh, high capacity leaders. Um, and how would you describe your leadership style in that environment um, as you serve? 
So very interesting. I serve with people that are way more qualified than I uh, may ever be uh, in terms of their accomplishments, but it's been it's been neat and it's kind of the same issue I guess that I would say I've run into most of my life being a young leader in in an area of influence. So I think it's it's very interesting for me to be able to kind of speak some of what our generation likes to see and where our generation would stand on various issues to to be a a mouthpiece for for the younger generation's voice on a commission that is is naturally full of of of, an, of the older generation so it's been very interesting to see how my opinions have uh, have been received uh, in a very positive way on most and some you know in a way that, that that don't get support but most of the time when i get to share my passion and how you know the people that i'm interfacing with on a daily basis feel about some of the issues that we may be discussing as as part of a commission uh, it's received very well and and i think that it's it's a it's a breath of fresh air for a lot of the other uh, commissioners and that was really governor scott's I think uh, one of his his main objectives of appointing myself, which I, I he claims I'm the youngest person that's ever served on the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission, and he likes to tell me that all the time. <laughs> but he he has a natural heart for the younger generation and really equipping people to get in roles of influence young, so that they can be there and continue to use those those passions and talents throughout their lifetime. So, what would be some ser- uh, serving advice? Two, uh, you know, here at Southeastern, we've got a lot of college students that really do want to uh, step in and contribute. Uh, what are, how can they start that process? What would be? So, some- so I think you just, you said some key words and that's step in. And I think identifying where their passions are and then identifying what organizations are out there that they can volunteer their time. Um, I know in my life, just stepping out and serving is what really opened the door. I mean, God said, here, I'm going to let you step out. You ultimately have to do it. And then when you do that, then people start to recognize you and, and, and they see that, hey, this person is willing to devote their time or on a Friday night or a Saturday or a weekend, they're willing to come and, and, and dedicate their time to a cause. And I think when you do that, then the leaders that are kind of overseeing whatever those causes are will start to recognize and say, hey, that's, that's what I want. Um, I, I want somebody that's willing to take the time to to step out and serve. Now, what are some things that, um, as you serve in this role and and have gained the you know, the knowledge of you know what's necessary for us to conserve in, in many ways? What are some things that people don't really understand when it comes to conservation efforts? I think people take conservation for granted. I think there's a lot of tag words, preservation, conservation, climate change, that people uh, have such a stereotypical mindset when they hear those words and, and really don't understand what those mean and how they impact um, just our, the, our daily lives around us. So I think that, that conservation is, is not a bad word. Uh, conservation is something that we that we do in our lives and may not even realize it or even support 
things that are going on that may be a part of conservation and not realize it. So I think that just really, um, you know, focusing on what it is that we're doing and really getting into how can we have a more conservative type mindset uh, of, of, of the actions that we're taking on a daily basis. I know this year you played a, a large role in banning shark fishing in, in Florida. What does the process look like for a project like that? And, how, and tell me, you know, what was your passion for that initiative? So shore-based shark fishing, I should say. Uh, you, can, you can fish sharks in Florida, and I am a full supporter of, of fishing. Uh, and I think that people have the right to fish and catch what they want to catch. What concerned me was the the process that was being taken to shore-based shark fish. And it was a lot of, a lot of the uh, fishing methods that normal fishermen would take were not being taken by shore-based shark fishermen. So there was issues that were brought to, to the commission uh, probably a year ago from concerned citizens, beachgoers, that were worried about shark fishing and, and how these anglers were were hooking the sharks, and when they were getting them up near shore, where there were other kids swimming, and you know, was there was there some sort of tie to shark attacks with shore-based shark fishing? So it was a really neat process over the time period that that facts and public workshops were done that really helped educate us on the right things and the wrong things to do. And and so we tried to, as a commission, really focus on how can we bring this to kind of a middle ground where we're not banning shark fish, shore-based shark fishing, but we are trying to implement some rules and regulations that would allow it to be done in a much safer fashion. Um, So that was a big one. I, I heard tons of testimony about people that wanted it banned but then when we did the rule change that implemented some additional rules and then um, made you have to go get a license for it, the same people that were wanting it completely banned you know, came to me and said, this is great common ground. I'm glad we could kind of meet in the middle. So it's nice to, to hear that. And, you, and, and a couple of phrases, common ground, meet in the middle. I mean, you probably have to deal with a lot of issues where you know, both sides have pretty big arguments. Yes. How do you how do you navigate that? How do you find that common ground? What are what are steps or what are ways that you you do that? So I think open dialogue is is one great way bringing people together. Uh, you know, it's it's very when you are behind a, a telephone and you're on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you you can say a lot of things that maybe, you know, you wouldn't say if you were sitting in front of that person. So my goal has always been take the opposite sides, bring them together in a safe environment, and then have dialogue and let each other, each sides kind of share with each other what their passions are. And usually right in front of you, common ground will unfold. Now, it doesn't always happen that way. And and some people are just strong stance in their opinions, and that's the way it is. And you're not going to change the way they think. And to be honest with you, that's not the person that I want to be with. I don't want to spend a bunch of time trying to uh, persuade somebody or, or change somebody when they're so far gone with their opinion. I want to, I want to be in front of the people that are saying, you know what, I'm open. I'm open to hear what this individual may have to say or this individual. And we could walk away from there agreeing to disagree, 
But usually when you start to have those, those open conversations, people start to change. Um, so my goal has always been, let's bring people together, whether it be in public forum or whether it personally be with myself or maybe other people you know, that are working the issue. Um, but my, my phone is always on. People know they can always call me or email me and, and I'm, I will give them the time of day to sit down and, and make their case. That's good. Now, a couple more questions, and and we'll yes, close out with our uh, our fire round, so to speak. As a leader, um, time management is all always key to success uh, in many ways. And you're the father of of a young child. And how how do you balance family and work life? So sadly, it took a young child for me to kind of figure that out. I have a wonderful wife who I love dearly. We've been married. Actually, this Sunday will be seven years. Um, So we are very excited about that. But early on in my career, I, I, I worked a lot, 70, 80, 90 hours a week. I love it. I mean, it's one of the main things that drives me. So finding that balance early on in my career was very difficult. But the day that I had a baby, uh, my wife had a baby, it really changed my my mindset. And the biggest thing that has helped me balance family and work is people that have done this before me that I've been able to confide in and talk to and and ask advice of, hey, how do you do it? How do you do it? And and you know, it really is somebody somebody gave me some great advice one day and they said that the same email or same emails that you may stay late to answer will be there in the morning. So just take the time to just put it down, find out what that balance is, and it's gonna be different for everybody, but find out what it is and just put it down and let it carry on to the next day um, if it can. And if you do that properly, then you're not turning it into procrastination, you're turning it into what you said, and that's management of our time. So I think that it's critical to make sure that that your family is always um, given, you know, first first priority in terms of your time management, um, you know, next to ultimately your time with the Lord, which has been a challenge for me in seasons. I go through seasons, you know, where my quiet time with the Lord's great and it's wonderful, and then I go through seasons where um, I'm I'm picking it up and reading my daily devotion, and I'm putting it back down. I said, all right, I'm good to go. Right, <laughs> you know? sure. So, yeah. you one final question. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you have the opportunity to work alongside many exceptional government and business leaders. What is a piece of advice that has stuck with you through the years? Some of the best advice that's been given to me through the years is honesty and integrity. Don't ever jeopardize it. That your integrity. There's only one person that can give your integrity away, and it's you. So some of the best advice that's been given to me is don't sell yourself short. Speak from your heart. Be honest. If you tell somebody you're going to do something, deliver on, on what your commitment is, no matter what it takes. And always you know, be honest and open and communicate freely with, with people that you're doing business with or legislators that you're talking to. Um, and, and so, you know, just be, be you. Yeah. 
That's good. Well, we like to close out our conversation uh, always with three quick questions. Everybody gets the same three questions. The first one is, uh, let's say you have a day when your calendar is cleared and you've been mandated, it's you've got to take a perfect day off. What does a perfect day off look like to you? A perfect day off to me is waking up in the morning, uh, being there when my baby girl wakes up, usually at seven o'clock, and just taking time to spend with her in the morning. I like to cook her breakfast uh, when I'm home. So we'll spend an hour or two in the morning just being with each other and spending time, uh, spending time with my wife and then getting outside. A perfect day off for me is just having nothing on my calendar, but being able to get out and walk, spend time at the beach, go out into nature, and then end it with a good dinner. I love food. Yeah, that sounds like a great day. All right, second question. What historical leader, living or dead, would you most like to have a cup of coffee with? Thomas Jefferson. Oh, wow. And why is that? I think that Thomas Jefferson, to me, one, he was a Virginian. And two, I think that he really undertook lots and lots of challenges during his time. So just talking to him about his life from a kid, and he followed that same path I kind of think that I'm on, and that's that's gaining influence in the world of business and in politics at a young age. So just talking to him about how he navigated that uh, would be extremely interesting to me. Yeah. Final question. What's the next big dream you'd like to accomplish? The next big dream that I would like to accomplish is seeing radical change in the community county that I live in for Christ. Being a part of getting people plugged in to the church or to organizations that are going to point them to Christ, that's going to get us past that tipping point that we then could see extreme transformation in our, in our local community. So whatever that may be that my role is to play in that, whether it's through young professionals or through local organizations, but to see change in a huge way where we live so that it could ultimately be seen by, by people around the world. Thank you, Josh, for uh, taking time to have this conversation. Um, I mean, we've only, I think we met on one other occasion and had a chance to visit, but there is no doubt God has anointed you in a pretty significant way to be a strong leader. Uh, you have a deep passion to make a difference in people's lives, in, in communities. You have done that uh, where you live in this state. And I believe, God, there's no doubt it's going to use you in, in greater ways. But I love how you integrate your faith with your leadership and your service. And so thank you for what you do and uh, how you stand up and, and give voice to, to the challenges that we face. So appreciate that. Thank you for having me, Doctor. Yeah, privileged to have you. Well, uh, Josh, um, you can uh, learn more about what you do in terms of the Wildlife Conservation Commission. You can visit, is it? myfwc.com. Yes, sir. Yeah, myfwc.com. And you can look at some of the issues and challenges that we face 
in that way, and maybe there's opportunity down the road to serve. Yes, and I would just say to the listeners, um, step out. Step out in faith. Step out in the challenge to just get involved in whatever it is that you are passionate about. There's definitely an organization, probably locally, wherever you may live, to to step out and give, get involved and just serve and watch what God does when you when you serve people around you. Uh, and I think that opportunity after that is endless. Yeah, it's good advice. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us today on Framework Leadership. To connect with Kent, visit kentingle.com. Also make sure to follow him on Twitter at Kent Ingle and on Facebook at Kent.ingle. Thanks for listening to Framework Leadership.